You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Take your Bibles and turn to Exodus, Exodus chapter 33. As we continue on here in this little mini-series on repent, return, and revive from the book of Exodus. Exodus 33. We'll be looking at that in just a couple of moments. But I wonder today how many of us might admit today, right where you're at, to being disappointed, to being defeated, to be perhaps even doubting, and maybe even cynical. That that's been a part of your thinking this past week and perhaps even today. As COVID and winter kind of wears on, there is a weariness. We've talked about it in our home. Charlotte and I have talked about it. We've talked about it with others. That there's just this weariness going on. Mid-January can oftentimes be a a, a tough time of year. Kind of the post-Christmas kind of, you know, blues or whatever, and, 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 and it's a difficult time for discouragement and depression oftentimes for people. And sadly, this discouragement and depression, it can show in so many different ways. And again, because of COVID and everything that's going on that is all entangled with all of this and politics and all of that, emotions are wearing very thin. Anger, lashing out, frustration, fear, hopelessness, hurt, Because of what other people have said and what other people have done. Perhaps in love or sometimes not even thinking and sometimes not in love. The struggles are real. And it's true. None of us, we've never been this way before. And so in a a sense we want to cut some others, cut one another some slack. But we just can't hold, we just can't just hold on and just kind of hope for the best and excuse the way that we're living. No, there's hope. There's help, and it's found in God's Word. Paul Tripp, in an article that, that I, I read recently, describes some of the signposts of a disappointed Christian. What are some of the signposts that, that you are a disappointed follower of Christ today? And, 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 and there are six of them, and you may want to write the, these down. And the first one is a disappointment, ultimately, with God. You're disappointed today because you, because life Things haven't gone as planned. Things haven't gone as you have hoped for. And, and you thought that God promised certain things or th- things would happen in a certain way and it hasn't gone that way. Or maybe another one is a lack of motivation for ministry. That can be a sign that you are a disappointed Christian today. Th- that, that, that you have no desire to want to really serve the Lord. You've kind of dried up. Or maybe your life is so busy that you've programmed yourself with so many other times, there's no time for anything. And even when it comes to the idea or the thought of ministry, you're negative, you're cynical, you're picky. Maybe you're numbing yourself. Maybe you're numbing yourself and and you're looking for certain escapes. Perhaps there's disappointment that you've experienced and, and, um, and so you're numbing yourself with busyness, either at work or hobbies. Maybe binge watching, maybe binge scrolling, useless, maybe even some informative things at times online, but you're just kind of just filling in time. Or maybe you're indulging, overindulging in food, in alcohol, in meds, cannabis, pornography. Another sign of a disappointed Christian is perhaps the envy of other people's lives. 
You look at others, and, and the words that come to mind is, must be nice. Must be nice to have that kind of a life. Must be nice to have that kind of money. Must be nice to have that kind of a family. Must be nice. And there's a dissatisfaction. There's this envy, thinking, oh, it must be nice. Another one, another sign of a disappointed believer is letting go of the disciplines of faith. Why read God's word? Why pray? Why even go to the tent of meeting that the church has been having these last number of weeks? Why be part of a small group? Why encourage other people to believe in Jesus when I'm not even sure if these things are actually working? These things don't seem to be making a difference in my life, so why should I even be telling other people about it? The last one, experiencing a greater susceptibility to sin and temptation. Disappointment with God and all these others here that we've talked about here just quickly looked at are leading you down a path into some areas that you even told yourself or you never thought you'd ever go down when it comes to areas of temptation and sin. Don't do it. Don't go there. You see, in Exodus chapter 32, 33, 34, where we've been parking the last number of weeks, Moses, the leader of the Israelite nation, had some definite reasons to be a defeated leader, to be a discouraged leader, to be a disappointed leader. He was discouraged and frustrated and angry and confused and, 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 and at times just, no, no, he just wanted to give up. Here he's leading a charge of people, two to three million at least. And you see, he and the people had never been this way before. They had never you know, gone through, the, ended up in the wilderness like they had and, and, and experienced all that they experienced. And, and now they're wondering, okay, what's next? And in this group of people, in this group that he was leading, there was a lot of stubbornness, a lot of immaturity, a lot of anger. There was a lot of rebellion and it was all coming out. It was all puking out and it wasn't very good. But instead, Moses, he didn't give up. Instead of giving up or giving in, he pressed in. He pressed into what God would have. And here we see, in these chapters in Exodus, we see a man provoked to prayer. A man who ran to God. A man who came to the end of himself and said, I don't know what to do. I don't know where else to go. I have no better place. I have no other place to go. Rather, only to God. And today, loved ones, if you would take and you would admit at least one, two, three, four, five, or six of those signposts we talked about, and you and I, our only recourse, our only action, our only hope is to run to God, is to run back to Him. That's the only way forward. And it's learning what we're going to learn here today in God's Word, and not just learning it, but applying it. And it's coming to the point of surrender in our lives. There's an initial point of surrender where we say, I'm done, time out, I'm done, tapping out, I'm done. But then it's a daily, daily occurrence in our lives. And it comes down to, God, I can't. God, you must. God, I'm yours. There's surrender there. God, you must show me the way. That was the point that Moses got to, and I trust that God would lead us there as well. If you are feeling, experiencing like you are a disappointed follower of Christ today. You see, Moses was provoked to prayer when God told him that he would not go with them into the promised land. That freaked him out. That halted them in their tracks and said, hold on. The idea, the thought that they could have success without God's presence, it provoked Moses to prayer, to a serious 
sobering, smelling salt session where it's just like, I gotta pray, I need to seek God. And we see, we've been talking about three levels of prayer. We've discussed two of them, we're gonna do a quick recap, and then we're getting into the third one today. Three levels of prayer. And, and, and this was do or die for them. And these same levels of prayer are do or die for us spiritually. Do or die when it comes to the quality of life that we can expect and that we can live here on this earth. And we see these levels of prayer so crucial then in the life of Moses and for the people of Israel. And they're so crucial for us today. They're so crucial for God's people. And the first one is the prayer for God's pardon. This is a prayer for forgiveness. This is a prayer of confession of sin. And we see this in Exodus 32. And you see, sin unconfessed, sin undealt with, sin that is held onto with a form of rebellion and, and, and excuse giving towards it causes a barrier between us and God. And God hides his face. It grieves the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot work, cannot flow. His power is quenched, the word of God says, in our lives when there's unconfessed, undealt with sin. And therefore, we don't experience God's presence. We don't experience God's peace. We don't experience God's fruitfulness, the fruit of the Spirit. We're not growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Why? Because we've quenched the Spirit of God. And so now we're just faking it, trying to fake it till we make it. This is a level of praying that you and I must do every day. A prayer for God's pardon, a prayer for God's confession, for God's forgiveness. And it's coming before God daily. And, 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 and oftentimes, many times throughout the day, God, I have sinned. Please forgive me. And the good news is 1 John 1, 7 says that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. All and every sin is cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But we must confess it as it goes on and tells us in, in 1 John 1, 9. But he will forgive it. And he will cleanse. And last week then, we saw this, the, the prayer that Moses started to pray inside the tent. And that was the second one, the prayer, of God's, prayer for God's presence. And it was pleading with God, you must go with us. If you don't, we would rather stay in the wilderness, in this dry, barren, ugly, fruitless wilderness. We'd rather stay there than to go into the promised land without you. You see, and what Moses is saying here, and, 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 and kind of the, the, the story and the truth and the reality behind it, Moses is saying there is no place, there is no wealth, there is no pleasure, there is no relationship, there is no friendship, there is no marriage partner, there is nothing on this earth that will tra- truly satisfy the human heart, the human life, only the presence of God can fill. Only God's presence And this shows how much we need God in our lives. And this shows us how much Moses valued the presence of God. That he was on his face. He was there in the tent before God. And he says, God, you must go with us. Because we can't. We don't want to go a step further. Do we make that a part of our daily prayer? God, would your presence go with us? That needs to be a daily part of, of our prayer before we leave the house. No, even back it up a little bit. Before we even leave the house, before our feet even hit the bed, oh God, or, or feet hit the floor from the bed, we need to be asking God, would your presence Would your presence go with me today? Would your presence go? Fathers, we need to be praying this over our family. Would God's presence go with our family, with our wife and our children? If you have grandchildren, that that, that God's presence would be with your grandchildren. They would come to know and love and cherish the presence of God. 
Pray that. Pray that daily. We must do that. And God answered Moses' prayer for pardon. He answered Moses' prayer for presence because he says, Okay, Moses, I'm going to go with you. And I just love, as we see this happen, we see that Moses gets what he's been asking of God. And it's like, yes, but Moses isn't done. Oh, I love the tenacity of this guy. It's so awesome, the boldness that he has. And this is where we can learn from him. And we must approach the throne of grace. We must approach God with the same kind of boldness, but it's got to be a biblical boldness that we have. And so let's learn this biblical boldness that we see here with our dear brother Moses. The third level of prayer is the prayer for God's glory. Let's pick it up in verse 17 of Exodus 33. And it says in verse 17, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. So God tells Moses, okay, I'm going with you. But then verse 18, I love it. Take a look at it. Make sure you're looking at your Bibles. In verse 18, he says, Moses said, please show me your glory. He's saying to God, in this statement, God, please show me as much of yourself as I can take. I want it full on. God, show me your glory. This is an audacious request. Moses, what he is praying here. I mean, and it is for more of God's glory to be revealed to him. Now, when you think about it, what Moses has already experienced, he's experienced the burning bush. He's experienced God's, God's power and God's working in the ten plagues in Egypt. He has experienced God's power in the parting of the Red Sea. He sat for 40 days on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments for the first time. And he's there with God, and yet now he is saying, God, I want more of your glory. I want more of you. I'm not done yet. I want more of this. But you see, part of the reason why he's asking this is because all of that that happened was before the golden calf. And that was a major issue. God, are you sure? What we did there, what happened there, what your people did, the people that I'm leading did, that was a bad one. That was terrible what they did. Are you still, are you, are you going to be with us? Oh God, show us your glory. God, we've sinned. We sinned so majorly. We sinned so grievously. Oh, I pray we would have, we would learn from the heart of Moses. We would have the same heart that Moses has. That above all things and all things we would desire more and more of God's presence and more of God's glory in our lives. As I said, this is a huge ask that he makes. You see, God's glory is almost impossible to comprehend, even to start describing it. The moments we have here together will, will just, just give us a little small smidgen understanding of what God's glory is really all about. John Piper defines God's glory as this, the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. That's the glory of God. I mean, that's one statement of it. That's not the full on. But it's a pretty good summary. The infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. That's just infinite right there. And look what God says in, in verse 19. And it says, I will make all of my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. 
and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the cleft of the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So the Lord says, I will be gracious. I will answer. I will show you my glory, but you cannot see my face. You only get a glimpse. You only get a little bit. You get a little bit of, uh, of my back. Because you cannot see, no human can see my face and live. And you know what, perhaps you've done this like I have in my immaturity, in my younger years, where you've kind of had it, and you're kind of confused, or you're kind of mad, and you're just really wondering, and you say, God, I really need you to show up right now. I need you to show up in my life. I need you to show up in this situation. God, reveal yourself to me. We need to be so thankful that God <laughs> has not answered those prayers in the way that we perhaps have asked or at times when people say, you know, when I get to heaven, <laughs> I'm going to go and I'm going to have a little talk with the big guy. Don't even talk like that. I mean, that is so foolish to even think that. The holy, majestic, mighty God, holy upon holy. And we need to be thankful that God doesn't answer prayers like that. Because if you and I did do that, we would be a, a giant or a small ash heap on the floor if God truly showed up in the way that at times we've asked him to. When Ezekiel, man of God, was confronted with the glory of God, he was on his face. He was on his face in awe in, and, and unworthiness. In, in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah, when he just saw the train of the robe of God, just the tail end of his, the robe of God, he was undone. It says he saw his sin, he saw his unworthiness, and he saw the holy, holy, holiness of God. You see, glory is what emanates from God. Glory is the manifestation of God's presence. Glory is the fingerprint. It's his signature. And we see evidences of the glory of God all around us. We see in the beauty of creation, the beautiful earth that he has made the wonders and intricacies of animals and of plants and just so amazing. We see it in the vastness of the solar system. How infinite it is. Or we get to see his glory in mountain grandeur. Oh, we are so blessed to be able to live in this beauty all around us. We are so blessed. May we not be arrogant. May we be thankful. And, be, and, and consider ourselves blessed with the beautiful mountains that we get to see. And, and some of the favorite for me is when we drive from Kelowna to Calgary and then usually on to uh, other places, whether it be in Saskatchewan or see friends in the Edmonton area. But that trip through the Rocky Mountains, I mean, my poor family at times, they, they kind of hear this weird grunt as we're driving, as, a, as we're driving, and, and, and I think they get a little alarmed, thinking, well, it's indigestion, or is it gas? Well, what's going on with him? But it's not that at all. It, it, it's like when I see something like this, and we're driving, and there's like, oh, just this grunt of just like, look at that. Do we have that on the screen? I'm not seeing it right now. There we go. And, 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 it just, and, and there'll be this grunt, like, Charlotte, you just, just got to get a picture of it. And that was just taking out the windshield. I mean, we didn't even stop for that, but it was just like, oh, 
And then you go around another, ah, there's another one. The grandeur, that's God's glory that we get to see. We get to see a reflection. We get to see a fingerprint of his glory just manifested in creation in that way. Um, or how about in a sunset? We get beautiful prairie sunsets that we get to enjoy, pretty spectacular. But here, we also get some, no, back up. Uh, we get some pretty nice ones here as well. And, and, and uh, just these first few ones, we, we, we had um, just, just taken this past summer, this fall, just from our house, just up behind our house. And then this other one was taken a few years ago. And uh, we had Nate doing the uh, Lion King thing with our cat. And yes, there were some of those Lion King shouts that went with that as well. And, um, and, and, and we see God's glory. We see God's beauty, even in the beautiful sunsets that we see. But how about this? How about in the birth of a child? Here's a newborn. Here's little Selah Meldina Corton. Oh, no, I guess it's not Meldina. I was kind of hoping it would be, but Selah Faye Corton just probably minutes or a few hours after she was born. That sense of awe of God's glory, the miracle of birth. I mean, just seeing that can turn a macho man into mush. All of these are good and they are amazing, but these are all just simple reflections, very finite even reflections of God's glory. You see, true, real, lasting glory belongs to God and belongs to God alone. And, and the glory of God is what we desire. It's what we crave. It's what we need. And it's where true satisfaction is found. You see, glory and transcendence, it's the universal longing that we all have. We talked about, a bit about this last week in Ecclesiastes 3 where it says, He has put eternity on the hearts of man. We are all hardwired for God's glory, for awe, to have our minds blown and, and, and our hearts expanded, to be taken beyond the normal, the mundane, and, and to be absorbed by what God's wonderful, beautiful, a wonderful and beautiful God is. And Augustine said again from last week, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. You see, all the glory things that I described earlier, and there's so much more we could take and describe where we see God's glory, none of these things will ultimately satisfy. Seeing Mount Everest, seeing the beautiful sunsets that will blow your mind, the northern lights that will blow your mind. We don't get to see a lot of those here, but in the north you do. But none of these things will satisfy because we are made for God's glory. And only God's glory will give us the satisfaction that we are truly created for. Yet we are glory junkies, aren't we? We're glory thieves, ultimately, we are addicted to it. We want glory. We want personal glory. We want to seek this kind of glory, but we look for it in lesser things and we settle for it in lesser things and it never satisfies because all human glory is simply an illusion. Let's say this glass mug here. This wonderful glass mug is your and my glory. This is a lot of the, represents Yours and my, our goals, our achievements, our successes, our accomplishments, our awesomeness, our possessions, our, our, our careers. 
this represents a look at me. I'm amazing. But honestly, your glory, my glory, it's not even really fully, I mean, this, we don't even have this much glory. You know how much glory you and I actually have? Take this. Mona glory and greatness and accomplishments, whether it's, it's someone who works hard all their life and raises a family and, and, and there's glorious accomplishments in that, or if you're a, a famous athlete or uh, someone who does great and mighty things in, in the education system, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. We all, end up, we all basically have the same amount of glory. You know how much glory you actually have? It's like on the very end, are you seeing it? There it is. Oh, there it is. There's your glory. All your life achievements, all your life successes, everything. Oh, there's another one. There's another one. That's all. That, that's your glory. That's my glory. And when you take and compare a little droplet of glory in our lives to the ocean of God's glory, to the ocean of His majesty, there's absolutely no comparison. No comparison at all whatsoever to the vastness. You see, God's glory is vast, it's beautiful, it's flawless, it's wide, it's deep, it's infinite, it's amazing. And yet for some reason, we think we are so awesome and, to, and, and, and we look to find satisfaction in the nice little test tube of glory. That's all we have. That's all we can achieve. And God, His glory is so much greater. And yet for some reason we settle for this. And we need to lay down the droplet and say, I'm not living for my little droplet of glory wherever this is now. I'm not living for my droplet. No, I'm living for God's glory. I desire to live for God and pursue and to seek and ask for God's glory. You see, our greatest need, your greatest need today and what you're facing and what you're going through isn't more money. It's not having things change on the political or on the economic or when it comes to COVID or anything like that. That's not your greatest need. Your greatest need isn't to see everything change in your family and and, and things to go much better. Your greatest need isn't isn't for physical healing. No, it isn't. D.A. Carson, loved the way he says this. When your whole universe is falling apart, when you cannot see how you are going to survive, when cancer threatens, when you are facing loss, when you are facing the deepest depression, as foundations crumble around you and your own children walk away from the Lord and you don't know whom to turn, what do you need the most? You need to see God's glory. You need to see God's glory revealed. You need to see God for who He is. And and that alone will stabilize revitalize and give hope. He is the God who is our maker. He is the God who is sovereign. He is the one who loves us unconditionally. He is the one who displayed himself across history, throughout the Old Testament, through the New Testament, and to to today. He has displayed himself for the protection, for the salvation of his people. And we need to see God for who he is. Moses understands this, and, and, and he understands he's in this perilous situation. He's in a situation that's way over his head to lead these obstinate, stubborn people. And he realized what he needed above all things. If he was going to lead the people, he needed a renewed vision of God 
And that is what he asks for. Turn over to Exodus 34. Exodus chapter 34, as, as we see God's fulfilled that promise to him about, Moses, I will show you my glory. We see God's beautiful fulfillment here, starting in verse 1. It says, the Lord said to Moses, cut yourself two, two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. <laughs> like the way he throws it in there, by the way, you broke it. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. And here is Moses standing on the cleft of the rock. We see here as this continues, holding his two new stone tablets as he climbs the mountain, sensing the presence of the Lord passing by. As we continue, as we read here, in verse 6, it says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, O God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will be no minds, means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation? That's for those who don't turn to God. That's for those who don't repent. But when we are in Christ, when we turn to him, we're new creations. The old is gone. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and he worshiped. Wow, what words of comfort. What words of love as God's glory is passing by. And God there renews the covenant that he made earlier. He affirms Moses calling, you're the leader. You're going to lead these people. My presence will go with you. My covenant is renewed. And the most amazing thing is that God's presence would go with them. Even despite the past. Despite what had happened. And we read here that Moses remains with God for 40 days on the mountain. You know, God invites us to come into his presence. To go daily living and walking and experiencing his presence. He desires inst- intimacy with us. But God's presence and then further God's glory, it's going to re- require some climbing and some chiseling. To learn God's ways, it's going to take some time, just as it did for Moses. You see, 30 seconds or a minute or two or three minutes a day will not take us up the mountain. That will take us up the mountain that will bring God down to our souls and to minister to us. And I say this reading books, listening to podcasts or worship music. Those are supplements. Those are all supplements for the real truth of God's word. There's nothing better than God's word. His word is truth. And if we are going to get a glimpse of God's glory, it will take time. It will take time to look and gaze upon the majesty of God that we see throughout his word and explore his greatness as revealed throughout his word in, in, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. And it's going to take persistent climbing daily, time in the word and chiseling, climbing and chiseling, allowing God's word to change, allowing God's word to, to form how we act and react Here, this would be a great prayer for our lives, and I trust that it would be so true for each one of us. 
that at Hope Church, that you and I, that we would be the most satisfied, unsatisfied people. We would find our satisfaction in God, in his presence, in knowing that his glory is what is to be sought after, not our own, but that with that we would be the most unsatisfied people wanting more, more of his presence, more of his glory in our lives. I wonder for Moses, he was 40 days up on the mountain, what would 40 days do in our lives? 40 days of an all-out passionate pursuit of climbing and chiseling. Climbing and mining the deep depths and the glories and the beauty of God's word that we see and chiseling, allowing it to change and transform our lives. What effect would 40 days of a passionate pursuit of Christ have on our families, on our church, on our region, on our nation? 40 days of seeking God. 40 days maybe of getting off social media. And maybe some of it should be more than 40 days. 40 days off of Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Netflix, sports, news, whatever is your vice, YouTube videos, whatever it is, the distractions, the things that you say are too busy that's keeping you from the word of God, get rid of them. And a passionate pursuit of climbing and chiseling and saying, God, you're more important than these things. God, I'm setting this all aside to pursue you. Look, look at what happened to Moses. And this, folks, I believe so much it can happen to you and to me. Look at what happened in Moses in verse 29. When Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near. Remember the first time they were afraid to come near because he was mad and he was throwing some tablets around. But this time they're afraid, it says, because he's glowing. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded. The people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses, his face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face until he went in to speak to him, to God again. His countenance has changed. 40 days with God, there was a glow. He was radiant. He was different. And he wasn't even aware of it. But everyone else was. This was a reflection of God's glory. This is what happens when we are in the presence of God. When there is a passionate pursuit of God that he has it all. We're going hard after him. Things are going to look different when we're pursuing his glory. There's an afterglow effect. You know, I understand in the revival in 1971 in Saskatoon and that spread all over, especially here in Western Canada, even impacted Kelowna churches. 
One of the things that after the main session was over, people who could, and, and these, these meetings would go forever. It wasn't like, oh boy, we better be out of here in an hour or 90 minutes. You know, I'm done. No, it would go on and on with, with preaching, with testimonies, with worship and just thankfulness and praise. But then afterwards, they're like, we're going to have the afterglow. And so then they'd go down oftentimes to the church basement and chairs would be set up and they'd put a chair in the middle and someone would go in there and say, and just start sharing what God was doing with the sins they were repenting of, what God was renewing and restoring and what God was teaching them. And people would be in tears and, and, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit would fall upon the people once again. And, and someone else would go and they would share. With, they were just talking about the, and it was called afterglow. It was the afterglow of God's glory and God's working in their life. Oh, how amazing that would be. Moses, he put a veil over his face because his face shone so brightly. But it wasn't just because of the glow. But it was also to re- represent that there was a veil between the people in God. Later on, when the tabernacle, and then even beyond that, when the temple was built, there was a veil that went across the entrance to the Holy of Holies. And, 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 and that was the place on the Day of Atonement that the high priest one day a year would enter in, past the veil, into the presence of God. And the beautiful thing is, the epilogue of, of Exodus 34 here is actually found in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Turn in your Bibles there. We see the beautiful end to this, or the continuation, I guess you could say. Because the Apostle Paul writes about Moses, starting in verse 12, and and he talks about this transformation. How how he experienced God's glory and his face shone. But now, in the New Testament, and Paul is writing because of Jesus. Because when Jesus cried out, it is finished, and he took his last breath and he died. The veil in the temple was torn in two once and for all, declaring that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and has access to God, to his presence and to his glory. Well, let's read here in 2 Corinthians 3, verse, uh, starting in verse 17. And now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And w- when we, with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. You see, because of Jesus, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And when we walk by faith in understanding and in obedience to God's word, His living power The power of the Holy Spirit flows in us and through us. And we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And a result of this climbing and chiseling, of seeking to live in the presence of God and seeking His glory and not our own glory, we are transformed and we reflect more and more the character of God. And we are reflecting that glory to those around us. And because of Jesus... Because of this access we have in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, we are then told, let us then with confidence, some translations say, with boldness, draw near to the throne of grace that we may find mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Are you in a time of need? You can come boldly to the throne of grace. We're such wimps when it comes to prayer. We're so timid when it comes to seeking after God. 
But we can come with bold confidence based on what God's word says. Now, our faces won't literally glow like Moses, but the glory of God is reflected through the lives of God's children. Where people start noticing something's different about you, you're changing. You're, you're changing, you're becoming filled with more grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. You're not nearly as negative and cynical and you don't have the bad mouth or the bad temper that you once had. These are the degrees of glory that we ought to be changing. There's more joy. The people we interact with on a daily basis, they should, they ought to be able to see the character of God reflected in our lives through our attitudes and our actions. But I have to tell you, a lot of uh, folks, I think we stink at this. They see our grumpiness, they see our cynicism, they see our rebellion, they see our pride. And I believe that so sadly this past year, I'm afraid that what many people are seeing and what we are reflecting is not the love of God and not a love for others. Folks, I need to be just be blunt. There are incredible, sad, and great divides happening in some incredible ways. I think the anniversary for the first COVID case is this past week here in British Columbia. And what a little virus has done in dividing families and churches, and longtime friendships all over the contentious issues that we are facing because we all have certain convictions and opinions and we're pretty free to share them and we don't really care who we kind of stomp over with them. We are to consider one another. We are to love one another. We are to pray for one another. We are to forgive one another. We be patient with one another. We are to speak the truth to one another. You say, I am speaking the truth. No, and speak the truth of God's word to one another. You don't have the whole truth when it comes to everything going on politically, medically, virus-wise, that no one does. We think we do. We don't, but God does. We are to speak the truth of God's word to one another. You see, the glow of God's glory fades when we fail to spend time in God's presence, when we're not seeking God's glory, when we're seeking our own. And when we live in outright disobedience to what God's word says, when we are unloving, uncaring, unforgiving, when we try to bowl people over with our views and with our ways. Now, I'm sure that some of you have probably seen this clip from a few years ago. It's kind of comical, but it's so good as this young brother calls out his young sister. Isn't that awesome? You know, and just in the same way that that girl needed a nap because she was overtired, I believe that many of us as God's children, we need time alone with God. We need to start climbing and chiseling. Climbing into the depths of God's word and allow it to chisel and to shape and to reshape our lives and our thinking and our actions and our reactions. And folks, as your pastor, I believe that I need and we need to ask God's forgiveness for not running to his presence and not seeking his glory as a priority in our lives. 
We're so willing and so easily we settle for success without present. We allow unconfessed secret sin to be harbored, whether that be pride or, or, or rebellion. Did you know that rebellion is considered in God's word as the sin of witchcraft? That's serious. Lukewarmness, how we allow all of this to run and to rule our lives, and yet we justify or we deflect rather than confess and run to God. And that's why I believe we're still not done. We're not done with the tent of meeting. And many of you have been coming over the the, the last um, number of weeks. And some of you have been re- haven't been able to come physically and you've requested to have the pr- prayer guides emailed to you um, because you weren't able to join in person. That's wonderful. But you know what? Sadly, though, too, many of you haven't come. And I'm not sure why. This isn't a Meldon thing. This isn't just a hope thing. This is a tangible way that we can set aside time and say, God, I'm serious. God, I'm running after you. God, I'm rearranging my schedule. I'm moving out of my comfort zone. I'm going to send that email. I'm going to show up here at the church office. I'm going to spend some time in prayer and seeking God. Getting alone, climbing the mountain, doing some chiseling and and some climbing this week. Seeking God's forgiveness. You say, I'm good. I have no sin. Mm, Lie. Seek the forgiveness of God's people then if you still want to hold on to that kind of thinking. We seek God's presence and we seek God's glory in our lives. And as we do that in a united way together, God moves. And as your pastor, and together with the elders and staff, as we talked about it this week, we just feel this is the next, just the most important step as we're exiting this office. It'll be a little chaos this week as the move is happening. We believe that we're going to end our time in prayer and move to the new place in a season of prayer, in a week of prayer on on, on, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. or 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. The church office will be open for you to come and pray. And again, if you can't come, if you're unable to come, we'd love to email you the prayer guide, but you need to email us so that we're not making it easy. We're going to make you go through a few jumps for this. It's important. We want to finish strong here at First Mennonite, thankful for what God has done. But it's into the rest of 2021. How are we going to live this? Are we going to live seeking God's forgiveness, God's presence, and and living and seeking his glory? Or are we going to just kind of back away from it? And oh, would we daily in our lives take time to pray, to seek God in these areas. Encourage you even to carve out time in your daily quiet time, whether that be early in the morning, partway through the day, or in the evening. Whenever that you spend that time with God, but not even asking him for anything, not asking him for a bunch of material stuff, but simply just reading the passages of God's word and enjoying God and, and allowing God to, to speak to you and communing with him, communing with the Almighty and praying, Lord, I love you. May your presence go with me and God, would you show me your glory? Take time each day for that. And some of you here today, you've been watching, you've been listening, and you have a conscience that's condemning you. And you're thinking, there's just no way I can come into the presence of God because of the past failures and the screw-ups and where I'm at currently. But folks, if you turn, if you turn and you return in humility and in brokenness and repent, confessing of those sins, you will be forgiven and refreshed in God's spirit of renewal. And forgiveness and revival falls upon us once again. And even in this, would we be desiring to behold the glory of God? Let's pray together. And so God, even now,
we just ask that you would just visit us in a special way, even right now, watching online, computers, television sets, phones, tablets, listening to podcasts of this, God. I pray that we would become the most, di- most satisfied, dissatisfied people. That we would be so satisfied in you that you are enough, but we would just want more of you. More of your mercy and your grace and forgiveness in our lives. More of your presence and more of your glory. God, in our failures, in our busyness, God, we repent of that and we turn and we desire to run to you. And this week, would we chisel and would we climb and would we experience your hand, your presence, your glory in ways that we never have before. And I trust and I pray that whatever God is speaking to you about right now, that that you would talk to him, you would respond to him and you will tell him what you desire to do by faith this week. If you don't know God today, this is, this is the one and only way that you can know him and that is by accepting his son Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for you and by turning to him and accepting his sacrifice as the substitutionary atonement payment for your sins and believing that Jesus died and, on the cross and, was rose, and rose again for you. Believing by faith and receiving that, you will be saved. Father, meet us here. Lead us deeper into your glory, even now as we reflect on your holiness, on your majesty. Would you meet us in a mighty way? We're desperate for you. We need you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.